We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You're going to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, April 11th. Still talking about MLB DFS. Submit your questions. I've gotten some questions in. So if you want you, you want your question answered on the show, remember this is unstructured learning, right? If, if you want, if you want all the answers all at once, go to the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, theoryofdfs.com. Get my 15-hour audio masterclass as well as the advanced players course, 10 chapters of audio, and my custom Excel tools for you to use, which I will be showing off on this show periodically throughout the course of uh, the MLB season, right? Of course of the show. Uh, make make your process much more efficient, right? I show a lot of stuff manually in lineup HQ uh, that, that, that my Excel functions do for me much, much quicker, just so you get the concepts down of why you're doing it. Uh, but if you want to pick that up, go to theoryofdfs.com. Good morning to uh, the, the early birds. Wataz, no Suki Singh today, I guess. Defect, Matt Mears. Bacon 33, 23. Bacon 23. Dequan, XXX. It's not, it's, is, is that a porn bot? Maybe. Uh, could be. Bart B, Doug Montgomery. Defect's asking about my battery build yesterday, the 121 build, right? Because I, I play the one, when I play MLB DFS. Because uh, sometimes I'll take a Sunday off or something. I'll, I'll take I'll take days off. Uh, the one twenty one. I almost always play the the one twenty one, uh, which is to me the softest contest in pretty much all of DFS. Uh, and in the in that contest yesterday, I I, pl- I played I I I played the Cardinals. I I, I played the, I played I played the Cardinals in the one twenty one. The reason why the one twenty one. Remember, why would a GPP contest be soft. Why would it have an edge? It all goes back to where the equity lies in the contest and what the lineups look like. Your opponent's lineups look like. What the field does. Go back to the episode. Where does the money come from? It comes from the bad lineups, right? What are bad lineups? What are negative EV lineups? Lineups that are too high owned 
or too low projected, right? Where that point is, you could debate, right? We could, we could debate that all you want. But just in general, from a broadest sense, either they're way too high owned, which means they're sharing too many points with too many other people. Makes it much hard, much harder to, to realize first place win equity that way. Or the lineups that project too low that, you know, they have to make up so much ground that they don't cash as often and uh, they don't win first place often enough. Okay, so that's where that's where the money comes from. So in order to exploit that, you're exploiting the field from a broad sense. You're trying to play the highest projected lineups for the lowest ownership. Right, that's the broad, very broad based. That's in general what you're doing in GPP. I want to play the highest projected lineup for the lowest ownership. What the trade-off is, that's what you have to judge from slate to slate. Is I'm going to play a lineup that is this low projected, but it's I'm obviously going to give up projection for doing so, right? So most likely, you will be playing a mix of higher projected players as well as lower lower projected players that. Even though they're lower lower projected, they're much lower owned than they should be, right? And lower owned is in the eye of, of not a raw projection, but their expectation, which means a player could be high owned and still be under owned, okay? So a player, a player in, it could be, we could have a pitcher that's 70% owned, but projects so well that maybe they should be 85% owned. So in actuality, by playing the seventy percent on pitcher, you're not you're not playing you're not playing an overowned pitcher. You're actually getting way more projection points than you should for that ownership. And that's what I found in the in the battery yesterday with the with the Cardinals stack. I played the I played the Cardinals uh, Angels. I played Cardinals five man uh, with uh, the Angels. I didn't play Burleson in that lineup. Now, obviously, I'm not picking players. I'm just picking lineups. I re- basically I ran lineups. I ran five, three lineups. I just ran hundreds of them. And uh, I I was under the impression that I wasn't going to be playing the Cardinals yesterday. I was going into this late going, okay, I'm probably playing playing something. Else. Maybe I'm playing the Angels as a stack and no Cardinals. Or maybe I'm playing three-man Cardinals with the Diamondbacks or some, something like that. Uh, the pitcher-wise yesterday, we had a bunch of pitchers that were viable. You had Elder, you had Gallon, you had Heaney, you had uh, Scherzer, you had Suarez. Wasn't, I mean, he didn't do well, but I mean, he, he projected okay. Uh, the chalk was going to be Gallon Eld, Elder, and it was. Uh, but the projections on a, like like five of these pitchers were cl- kind of close to each other. That uh, ownership-wise, when everything gets meshed together, uh, I just ran lineups. And even as I went down in ownership, it still was, it still was a Cardinals five-man stack. It still was... It made it just didn't have Burleson in it, right? The thing about yesterday's slate, I play. I basically played uh, five man Cardinals. I played what? Uh, I think I played Heaney, Elder. Uh, I could probably go back to it, but Heaney, Elder, five man Cardinals, which was uh, Contreras, Goldschmidt, uh, Goldschmidt, Edmund, Gorman, Walker. And then I played Rangifo, Trout, Ward in the other three spots. Rangifo was under 10%. Ward was 12%. Uh, the thing was, is that Trout was 38% in the 121. And uh, my projected ownership on him was lower than that. Now, I, I didn't, I knew he was going to be chalky, but I had Hyde Julio Rodriguez higher owned than Mike Trout. And it turns out that it that didn't happen, right? 
So in actuality, if I had I known that Mike Trout was going to be 38% owned, that that wouldn't have been the line. If I if I plugged in 38% for Trout's ownership, I wouldn't I would have gotten a lot of like Ward Otani, if anything, right? I may not have even gotten the Angels. I would have gotten something else. But the Cardinals five man just showed up because their pricing was just, I mean, come on. The pricing was ridiculous. And then you had pitchers that were like 6,600, 7,100 that projected high, some of the highest in raw points. So he had money to spend, right? And he had money to spend. And Goldschmidt, Arenado, you know, those, the Contreras, the catcher, like, like they projected three points higher than other people. And in the 121, they still were only like, like 22% owned. When based on the lineups that you could build, they probably should have been. They should have been like 35, 40% owned, and they weren't. We'd see on other slates sometimes that, you know, these guys would be 50 plus percent owned, and they weren't. They, they weren't. They actually weren't. So it wasn't, it wasn't, remember, this is not like a conscious decision. I went in consciously going, okay, I'm probably not playing the Cardinals. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to be over-owned for the 121, especially, if not the large field. And then in running the lineups, it's just like, dude, I... I, I did extra time. Like, am I doing something wrong? I keep on running these lines. I keep on adjust. I, I bumped up some ownership on these guys and I was still getting them higher, higher projected, lower owned than other lineups. And like, okay, I guess, guess I'm playing, guess I'm playing the Cardinals, right? But I'm probably not playing one of Gallon or Elder or something like that, right? Like that's what, that's what lowered the ownership. And then, you know, then I had, and then I had Trout at like 22% and not 38%. Right. That that was the main difference. I, I had Julio Rodriguez at like 24, 25 and Trout at like 22. I thought the Mariners would be higher on with Haggard because Haggerty's ownership was high. Right. At second base of twenty three hundred. So I thought, you know, people would do like the Cooper Hummel catcher, uh, you know, like something, something like that. I thought the Mariners would be higher. Owned. Then I thought they would be as owned as the Angels as a stack, and it well it turns out that that wasn't the case. So that was that's that was the reasoning for the one twenty one. But that was I mean I'm I'm justifying the reasoning based on the outputs. Remember, I'm not going in going I'm going to play this, I'm going to play that. I don't I don't pick players. I just play lineups. I just I'm going to run lineups. I'm going to trim out the ones that are too high owned for their projection, and then see what's left. When I saw what's left, it was pretty much, it was like 95% Cardinals, even trimming out for ownership. And I'm like, I'm okay. I guess, I guess the Cardinals are under owned today. I guess their projection is just so much higher than other teams for their price, especially. And you don't have to like jam in like two 10 K pitchers or, I mean, like, I guess that's the read. There you go. Oh, there it is. Right. I guess they're under owned. I guess they are. That's what, that's what, that's what the projections and ownership say. And if you looked at at the ownership outside of Trout, they weren't they weren't as owned as they should be in the one twenty one. Like if, Gold, if Goldschmidt was like forty five percent owned, and Arenado was forty percent owned, and Contreras was sixty seven percent owned, yeah, that would be a different story. Then 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 I wouldn't be getting the then I wouldn't be getting those lineups, right? I'd be getting lineups lower projected than that that are that are much lower ownership. But I I wasn't getting that. That's the reason. That's that's it. Those aren't the lineups I was getting. I was trimming them out, and turns out the Cardinals were underowned. I mean, they they didn't do well enough, obviously. Uh, let's see. Defix has a lot of unstacked lineups in the yesterday. Yes, you see that all the time. Why do you think it's such a soft contest? 
You know, yesterday there was like 650 entries. It was a little bit bigger. No, you'll download that. You'll download that. You'll find you'll find 20 to 25% of lineups in that contest unstacked. It's just like either a cash lineup or some type, some version of that, some, un, you know, the, oh, it's three guys from this team and one guy from that team and everything. You look at that and it's like they're sacrificing, you know, like, like one, two points, like every single time they don't correlate. So it's like you're playing lineups that are 15, 20 points lower projected than yours just based on correlation effects, right? So it's like, that. Why, that's why I play that contest, right? A lot of times you don't see like the really, you don't see like the really bad stuff, right? Really bad projected lines, lineups. But I mean, when, when, if 25% of the field is not, is, is going to just build one-offs, I mean, you just, you're, you're seeding, you're seeding way too much from doing that. And then you have the then you have people that are just playing combinations together that are way too high owned, way too high owned. But it turns out the Cardinals weren't way too high owned, according to other than Trout. Like I said, if I knew Trout was going to be thirty eight percent owned, I wouldn't have played that lineup. Right, Trout wouldn't have been in the lineup. I'd it'd be more likely to have a three man Mariners. I'd probably have Julio Rodriguez, and instead of Trout, I would have played. It would have been like Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, and someone else, or something like that, right? J. J. P. Crawford in the sh- shortstop spot, you know, some three man like that. So I think I did play a lineup that was similar to that in, uh, in like the large, in like the twenty five dollars single entry and the larger field stuff. I think I did that twelve dollar. I mean, I built two other lineups. Uh, Nate Branchard asks, using the contest reviewer, can we view lineups of all users in a contest or only specific users? Want to analyze how much of the field is stacking given a contest? Well, in the that's part of the theory of DFS advanced players tools. Uh, if you know what you're doing in Excel, uh, you can do what you're asking. But you you could all the all the lineups show. So you could you could down you could download the CSV of the contest, bring it into the contest reviewer, and it will show you all of the lineups with the user tags next to with the project, you could import your projections and it'll show the projections of everything. You could show all of that. Uh, if you want to analyze lineups, it's only by user. There's no like group functionality of like, like show me X of this. Like if, in, if you know what you're doing in Excel, you can do it, but it's not, it's not built in to the tool. Maybe that's something that James could, could upgrade at some point. It's a little, a little bit I mean, it's it's not as difficult as you think. It, if we have very preset parameters, if we have a preset like like uh, show me the the exposures of uh, you know people that play 150 lineups, because then it's going to have to you can have to do it like a like a count if type of type of function for that, and then you could do like a, you know how many lineups were you know have uh, five players from one team, have four players from one team, have three players from one team, because then all, all, all it would be doing is counting. But, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, you, these are open source. It's an Excel document. So you're more than welcome to feel free to edit it and create it. And if you screw it up, just download it again from the, the Theory of DFS site, right? They're always available for you, right? So if you want to, you know, save, save, a, save a fresh version and then just hack away all you want. But of course, once you start hacking away, if you're getting, if you, if you get technical problems, like don't don't come crying, like oh yeah, I I, I recoded half this stuff, right? And now now this thing doesn't work. What's going on? It's like well well I don't know. We can't really support when you're recoding everything. Oh, let's see. 
ANS Comedy says the thing I'm working on this baseball season is working on calculating the ownership of full stacks as opposed to individual ownership time to get that next level of thinking. Yeah. Only because the, the amount of lineups that have that ward that ward is in to a lot of times are going to contain trout, right? Like if Goldschmidt's in the lineup, right? If Goldschmidt is it, let's just say Goldschmidt is 30% owned and Contreras is 40% owned. It's like, well, a lot of the Goldschmidt lineups have Contreras in it. So it's like, you're not just counting. It's like, oh, it's 70% total ownership, right? Well, we, let, let's say 40% of the lineups had Goldschmidt and none of those lineups have Contreras and 30%, like it was two different teams. Like, let's just say, name another catcher, Sean Murphy, right? Let's just say Sean, Mur- Sean Murphy was 30% owned also. Let's just say. And Contreras was 30%. And Goldschmidt was 40%. How many of the Golds, 40% of Goldschmidt lineups have Contreras versus have Murphy? I would say most of them have Contreras. Not many have Murphy. Although the total ownership is both the same, 70. Right? You look at both lineups. If you just compared it from total ownership, you go, okay, they both have, they're both the same ownership. Now, the Murphy ones are, are different combinatorically, right? So that's one step below just like that's why ownership sum is the bluntest of methods of comparing lineups ownership, right? Ownership product would be, would be one step better. And then combinatorial ownership by doing some, you'd have, you'd have to recreate what lineups exist in the contest and then see what the correlation between that, them are. And I actually offer that. We offer that in the theory of DFS to some extent. It's called the portfolio correlation matrix. And you could use that to like, like build 300 lineups in lineup HQ that you think the field is going to play. Right. Just say, okay, I'm just going to run. I'm going to, I'm going to run the top hundred lineups that have a five man stack. Just, just run it under the bat projections. You could another projection source. You could aggregate the projections and you run them all together. Right. You run a hundred top hundred that at least stack five guys or something. And then you bring it into the portfolio correlation matrix and it'll show you the correlation of one player to, to the other. Not in performance, into what is in other people's, what, what are in those lineups. So obviously like Goldschmidt and Contreras are going to be very highly correlated because people stack, right? But you may you, you may see that like, oh, uh, the, the, the correlation between Max Scherzer and Paul Goldschmidt is much lower than Bryce Elder, right? Because Max Scherzer is more expensive. So it's hard harder to fit in Goldschmidt into those lineups, right? So you can see what lineups lead, to, what lineup combinations are led to versus a set of projections. If you're, if you're blindly just playing based on just optimal, you know, just like, and that's what a lot of people do, right? They're more likely to have these clumping effects happen because they're not paying attention. They're not looking at lineups, right? They're building 20 lineups and they have 10 really chalky lineups and 10 really, really low on lineups. And it's like, well, my exposures are, are fine. And we'll talk, we'll talk about that tomorrow because I have a question about player exposures uh, that I think we'll cover tomorrow. Uh, but today I wanted to, I wanted to cover player pools. Okay. We got a, we got a question about player pools. Okay. How, how do you, I, th- I think it's the general question is like, how do you determine the pool of players that you're considering to play? In a in, in a I'm playing. Let's say let's say you're building ten lineups. Well, we'll put it at ten, right? Because that's the default, right? You're building ten lineups. Like, okay, 
I want to I want to select what players to play in my pool, right? Or you want to get rid of players, right? So maybe you even exclude them all, right? And you say, okay, I, I, I want to select what players are in my pool, and I'm going to start making combinations of those players. Now, first off, it's MLB. So most likely you're going to be playing on DraftKings five players from the same team in every lineup that you play, okay? So obviously, if you're going to play a stack, you're going to, you're going to have at least five of the players of the nine eligible. If you don't, then you can't make that stack, right? Uh, but the main thing is that you're approaching playing DFS in the improper, like it's not about picking players. Like the overarching thing of this is that when, so you, when you ask, well, how do you, how do you determine your player pool? It's like, well, why are you determining a player pool at all? Like this, the projections are the projections play, whatever, whatever pool of players you want you want to play, play it. I mean, you can play anyone you want. Now, what? It, who is more likely to be in your player pool based on the projection and ownership of your lineups? That is something that you could eyeball. You could just run and see, right? Who's more likely to show up in lineups, okay? What, what does an optimizer do? It just optimizes for, for median fantasy points. So the ones that have high median fantasy points for their salary, their point per dollar value, are more likely to show in lineups and especially ones that are from the same team, right? Cause you're stacking five, you're stacking five. So if we set in, we go, okay, we're stacking five, 100%, right? How, how could you predict what the top 10 lineups are even going to look like? Well, I could sort by point per dollar, right? For pitcher, right? And go, okay, probably going to get DeGrom, Manoa, Otani has a high raw point projection, and he's kind of up there. Pablo Lopez, maybe, a little. Right? Probably get something like that. In $9,900, 77, you're probably spending around 17K at pitcher. And then you look at point per dollar value. It's like, okay, you got Brandon Belt there. Sure. But you really, you got another Toronto player there. So Biggio at second base, which is a much scarcer position. So I'm going to expect Toronto stacks to come up because we're getting two two batters with two good point per dollar values, and then we have Modder, Walker, and Yepes all point because they're so cheap, right? Twenty five hundred, twenty nine hundred, three thousand, and they're in cores against Freeland, right? So I'm expecting to see a lot, a lot of St. Louis, and then maybe Toronto. Right here's another Edmund is thirty nine hundred, so you're going to see plenty of that. Like Akil Badu, 2,500 if he bats first, right? But we don't see many other Detroit players here. Okay, Zach McKinstry. So he may end up getting some Detroit because of point per dollar value. And once we start stacking them up together, makes it easier to spend up in other positions. So as far as your player pool, like I'm I'm not determining my player pool. I'm just saying like, if I ran lineups, who's going to show up more than others? Right? Yeah, Kalenic here for Seattle. What are the Seattle players? Right? You could even go through from a point per dollar standpoint, team by team, and go Toronto. So if I were to play Toronto stacks, most likely I'm going to get like Belt, Biggio, Varsho, Kirk, Vlad. Like that's probably the stack that shows up. Maybe Kiermeyer thrown in instead of Varsho in lineups where I'm spending up in another outfield position. So that's going to show up a bunch. Detroit, 
Detroit's really cheap. So you have to pay up elsewhere. So probably if you're playing Otani DeGrum and a five-man Detroit stack, your other three players are going to be like three 6K players. So from a raw points perspective, they're actually quite low. So I'm not, I'm not even sure how many Detroit lineups will even show up just because of raw projection. You go to San Diego, we say, okay, as a car, but he's low raw point projection, but point per dollar, how uh, it's Kim, but everyone else is kind of like, okay, efficiently priced, not the greatest raw point. Like Machado is 1.55 X point per dollar. So probably not going to see much uh, San Diego, the Mets. Francisco Alvarez is a cheap catcher. Fam, fam and Canha. Decent point per dollar values. Maybe you get a little, little of the Mets if you ran it, right? You could go through all the teams. You go to here's Seattle. Rowley at 3,700. Kalenic at 3,000. J.P. Crawford at 3,000. Yeah, you probably get some, some Seattle here. The Cubs. The Cubs are cheap, right? Right. Is there like an overpriced team? Maybe we go to like uh, like the Dodgers. Like the Dodgers aren't going to come up. They aren't, aren't going to come much up at all. Miguel Vargas is twenty nine hundred at second base, but everything else is like okay. Mookie Betts, JD Martinez. I mean, they're fine. I mean, they're just they're, they're probably overpriced. So you're not going to see in, as much of them. Doesn't mean they can't. Hey, doesn't mean they can't hit a ceiling or anything. So if I ran lineups, if I ran 100 lineups of five-man stacks and let it run, the lineups that project the best that are five-man stacks are probably going to contain the players that that I was talking about. Now, this is for, we're not even talking about ownership at this point. Just like, well, who's, who's more likely to be in your player pool other than high projected players for their salary, right? And then the next part is higher projected players for their salary compared to their ownership, right? So look, in 100 lineups, we're getting 100 Cardinal stacks, right? Literally 100 Cardinal stacks. Then, you st- then, you, then you're getting Montero, Bellinger, Kellenic. Like as one-offs, you're getting a lot of Otani because you have money to spend, right? Montero at third base. Right, because it's once you, yeah, because you're getting more points for Goldschmidt than you are for Arenado. Right, from a pitcher standpoint, it's basically Degrom, a lot of Degrom Otani. You're spending up twice because you got so many cheap people. Right, the Cardinals are just underpriced. Now they're going to be heavily owned. So I mean, I'm just saying that like your player pool is like this. So now if we now cap the stacks, so we want to see you know more stacks. Right? Let's say we cap it at 15%. It's like if we didn't play the Cardinals, we still played five-man stacks with three one-offs. Right? So you can play five-three, you can play five-two. I'm just showing five-X. Right? So let's let's at least like get to other, other stacks and see what happens. So I'm going to build 100 lineups, cap them at 15, just to see. So we'll get like five other teams that show up as well. As you see here, this has nothing to do with picking players. There's no player pool involved, but I could I could determine who's more likely to be in my player pool for my lineups based on just just logic, just math and logic. The highest point per dollar players are probably going to be more likely to be in my lineups, be in 
lineups that project well. Do they project well for their ownership? That's a different story. <coughs> can you play a player that has a very low point per dollar projection? Of course you can. He's less likely to show up here. He's also less likely to be owned. Can he build lineups that have high enough projection for their ownership? Absolutely. Okay, so I did 15%. Okay, we're getting St. Louis. I mean, look, we're naming the teams that I cut. St. Louis, Seattle, Chicago, Colorado, Texas, Toronto. Then we're starting to get like Milwaukee, Dodgers, Royals. So now if we go through and it's like, okay, what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the highest projected okay cardinal stack. So I'm just gonna eliminate all the ones underneath it. Because out of all of these stacks, I'm just wanna see. I mean, I'm just for an, as an example, right? I'm gonna take the highest of each. I'm gonna get rid of I'm gonna get rid of the, the Brewers, Dodgers, Royals, and we'll just get rid of those. Right. Get rid of the Dodgers. Get rid of the Royals. Okay, now let's go to Seattle. The highest projected. Don't worry about ownership. Just the highest projected. Five-man stack. Regardless of one-offs or anything. Get rid of these. Okay, so we got one. Okay, Toronto. Let's get rid of these. Click through. Okay, Rangers, because we're going to compare them to each other, right? From a projection standpoint. And instead of comparing 15 lineups, we're just going to compare the top projected to the top projected. Get rid of these. This is what I say by using Lineup HQ as a research tool. This isn't just something like, oh, it builds the lineups that I play. And let me set my exposures. That That's... That's almost not the thing that I even use lineup HQ for. It's to build lineup sets of lineups that I could choose from. Okay, so here we go. So now we got one of each stack, right? So here we go. Cardinal stack, 134. Seattle stack, of course, it contains three Cardinals in it, right? 126. Cubs, 126. Rockies, 126. Rangers, 124. Blue Jays, 124. So obviously the Cardinal stack projects, I mean the top Cardinal stack, the top lineup, which is almost, it's going to be probably closer to a cash lineup also. 134. Well, take a look at the ownership. I mean, like ownership here is like, if you're going to play Seattle, probably uh, maybe you don't play them with the, the three highest owned Cardinals in your lineup and two of the higher owned pitchers, right? So you see the ownership wise, this ownership is 185. This lineup, which projects for what? Eight points higher has lower ownership. Like, dude, if you're going to sacrifice projection, you want to get lower ownership as a broad heuristic, right? So why the hell would you be playing the Seattle lineup, right? Okay, so I'm probably not going to play that. Okay, this lineup is lower owned, right? This lineup is 177. This lineup is 138. The lineup below it is 183. Here's a 126 line, obviously because it contains Edmund and Goldschmidt. I mean, that's helping it. I'm going to get rid of that, right? Here's a 148. 
No, that's no, the Cubs lineup is better than it. Right? So we see here it's like, okay, Blue Jays 155. That's lower. So from the sense that I'm getting here is that the Cubs may actually be underowned. Right? Because look, out of all the, the stacks that came up, like, oh. I'm getting a drop in projection, but also a drop in ownership. Yeah, I'm playing Otani, DeGrom. I do have Contreras, Arenado, and O'Neal in this lineup. But the fact that it's a Cubs stack that when I trim out stuff, shows up compared to the ownership, probably means that the the Cubs Cubs may be under-owned. So if I was making a player pool, maybe like, okay, I'm going to make sure the Cubs are in it. Right? I'm not making a player pool, but I'm saying this is what you would consider for a player pool. What Cubs should be in it? All the Cubs. It doesn't matter. Order doesn't matter. Right? It's, you're probably going to get the better projected point per dollar Cubs. Right? That's probably what you're going to get. That's, I mean, that's that's your goal. The highest projected lineup for the lowest ownership. So here you go. Otani, DeGrom. Cub stack, but obviously in this high projected Cub stack, you're still playing chalk pitcher, chalk three man, and that may be fine. Maybe the reason why you can play this lineup, we could play a lower own Cub stack, is because you're making up the projection with all the other players. So this may be a, this may be a, a, a lineup that that is playable with plus EV. I mean, you could find thousands of them. Just happens to have three Cardinals in it. You could run. You could run this all you want. Are you? How likely is Akil Badu to be in your 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 uh, your player pool? Well, as likely as as lineups come up. But we saw with like the Dodgers. The Dodgers are expensive. Doesn't mean you can't play Dodgers. Let's go. Let's. I'll build Dodger lineups. Right. Right. We we'll go here. I'll unselect them. I'll just build Dodger lineups. Let's see what they look like. Right, my five-man stacks. It doesn't matter. We're probably going to get card. We're probably going to get almost definitely going to get Cardinals in it. Right. Let me just build ten lineups and Dodger five-man stacks. So here we go. See, look how low the projection is. One eighteen. That Cardinals five-man stack was one thirty-four, and was owned at like one seventy-two. So yeah, the Dodger stack is low owned. But I mean, you're giving you're giving up 16 points in projection, which may be fine for their ownership. It may be fine, probably a little bit more of a large, probably closer to a larger field type of play. But you're really not giving up that much own. I mean, like 152, it's not that much lower than 177 to give up like 16 points in projection. This lineup below here is 128, and it's 117.49 versus 118.15. So yeah, I, I think I'd much prefer this lineup, right? Jordan Walker, O'Neill, Contreras, and then these, right? You have Trace Thompson in there, right? Basically a bottom of the order, right? Freeman and then six, seven, eight, nine. Jacob DeGrom and Otani. 117.49. This one's a little lower. But it still contains Cardinals in it, right? Because you have to make up the projection. If you didn't contain Cardinals in it, this projection probably goes down to like 114, 113. So most likely the Cardinals are going to be in your pool. Can the Dodgers be in your pool? Sure, but 
In order to build lineups with Dodgers in it, you probably still need Cardinals. You probably still need DeGrom. You probably still need Otani. If you start getting rid of those guys, then you can have lineups that are projected 25, 30 points lower, which may still even be fine then. But I hope you can see through the point of like, I'm not taking, I'm not going through, I'm not going through like this. I'm not going through and going, uh, uh, okay, on the on the the Rangers, who am I playing? Right, you sort by the old batting order or something like that. Let me get rid of the Dodgers. I don't know why they're starting there. Right, you go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play everyone except for uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play Josh Smith. I'm not gonna play Robbie Grossman because for whatever reason, like no, the numbers are the numbers. Is Robbie Grossman over owned or under owned for three point two percent ownership? I'm I don't care about players. I care about lineups. So I'm not saying like he's in my player pool. That guy's in my player pool. Seager's in my player pool. No, I'm just, it's not about players. It's about lineups. Seager will be in whatever lineup that it makes sense for a 5K shortstop on the Texas Rangers that has a 10.26 fantasy point median projection and a 12.25 projected ownership. He's more likely to be in lineups with the other Rangers, probably, right? But as a one-off, right? If we look at, if we go for, a, just look at shortstops, Right, we just look at shortstops and we sort by point per dollar. It's much more likely that Edmund is going to show up show up as a one-off than Seeger. Seeger is going to show up in Ranger stacks more than Edmund's going to show up as a one-off. Right? So you're not going to get much because look, Corey Seeger doesn't. I mean, literally, Corey Seeger projects lower by a point, 1.1, than Tommy Edmund for. 1100 more dollars. Okay? So how are you ever going to get Seager as a one-off? Unless you're playing, a, a, I mean, in a, in a lineup, unless you're playing a Ranger stack. From a projection standpoint. Because for the ownership, look, the ownership is almost the same also. I mean, it's not going to be. I mean, this number is going to go up. Edmund at 3900 projects for eleven. At 14% ownership, Seeger for 1100 more projects for 10 at 12% ownership. Like, not that much difference in ownership based on these numbers. I think it's more likely that Seeger is 8% owned and Edmund is 24% owned. And then you could say, oh, for three times more ownership, maybe I do take, I could, could play Seeger. And you'd see that by running lineups. So I'm not choosing players. I'm, not, I'm never building a player pool. You could choose out of the, once you build 3,000 lineups, you could say, for whatever reason, I have, I, have a, I have a personal vendetta against Kevin Biggio. And I don't want to play any lineup with him in it. And out of your 3,000 lineups, there's 88 lineups with Biggio in it. Just get rid of those lineups. You could. Are there plus EV lineups with Biggio in it? Sure. But if you, for whatever reason, you don't want to play them, that's fine. At that point, at that point, you're just choosing lineups to diversify rather than anything else. You already have all your, your lineups that you can choose from. So let's say, let's say I did build, let's say I'm going to build 50 lineups, right? Let's say I'm choosing three, okay? So I'm going to go into build rules or whatever, right? I'm going to get a decent amount of variety. I'm going to spend at least 49000 or something. I don't have to. Make it just a three uniques, just you know, just so we get so we get some random, true random. Let's uh, 
a little bit of randomness just for the sake of having something, right? Just for a variety purpose. So we get diverse running exposures. Okay. Remember, these aren't strategy settings. These are just diversification settings. How much variety? It's going to just then try to build the best projected lineups from there. Let's say I'll play 5-3 lineup, right? To make it even easier. Simplify it even more. Let's find 50. Let, let's have the builder build 50 5-3 lineups, right? And I'm playing like, let's say, the 121. So obviously, I'm probably not giving up 40 points in projection. I'm not, right? I'm going to have some decently projected lineup, right? So I'm going to build 50 lineups. And I, why, why can't it build? Oh, because I, I gotta, I gotta click on all of them. Right. There you go. Five, three. Okay. That should work now. So I'm going to put out 50 lineup. I have the builder build 50 lineups of some variety. So I'm not getting the same lineup with a one V one all the time. Just to have, just to now be able to trim based on ownership. Maybe out of the 50 lineups, maybe I'm left with eight. That are the best of the bunch from an ownership standpoint, right? So I'm not even looking at exposures. I'm not even looking, right? I'm going to do this manually, okay? In the Excel tools, in theory of DFS, there's a portfolio trimmer that could do this in 50 lineups, could do it in like a second. You can press a button and it's done in Excel. I, I always show this manually. And also, if I'm only trimming down 50 lineups, I may do it manually. By the time it takes me to trim 50 lineups, to cut and paste and move the projections and everything, I may not even bother going to Excel. But a lot of times in Excel, I'm running 300, 600, 1,000, 2,000 lineups. It's like, yeah, press a button in seven seconds, it's late. It's, it's done. And then I get whatever trim line. I have 34 lineups there. And now you can choose between those 34. Which bands of risk do I want? If I'm building, you know, if I'm choosing six lineups or 10 lineups or whatever, 150 lineups. Okay. So basically what broadly and broadly, remember broadly, we're looking for the highest projection for the lowest ownership. Right. Okay. So this lineup is 132 at 180% ownership. So the lineup below it should be lower owned because why would you give a projection if you're not going to get lower ownership? Right. So this one's 171. This one's 175, so it's slightly less projected, but more owned. So I would prefer a lineup, this lineup, over that lineup, if given the choice. Let me get rid of that, right? 171 here, 154. So now we're going down, 154, 178. No, why Why would I play a lineup that is lower projected and 24% higher owned? Right, so I get rid of that. 195, yeah, get rid of that. 195, another 195, another 195. These are high, too high owned in comparison to the other lineups. 155, we're looking for something under 154. Okay, keep on going. Keep on going. 190, 156, 167, 171, 159, 186, 188, 184, 148. Okay, so that's a little bit lower owned. Okay, so we could keep that. 183, way too, way too high owned for its projection. 175, 188, 147.72. Okay, so there. That's a little bit lower owned than the lineup above it. 147. 
one keep on going 148 148 and then i mean they they're probably fine but if i had to choose i'd probably choose the one above it assuming all these numbers are correct right remember i'm just we're just using the numbers that we have early in the morning for the for the bat but no starting lineups and don't go don't use this as a strategy session for who you should play on tonight's slate cuz these numbers are going to change 177 151 no nope, we got to get under 147 oh 130 point okay we're dropping a decent amount of projection, though. All right, 127 to down to 123. But it's still, at least it's lower ownership, right? As we go down in projection, we should also be going down in ownership. 130. So now we have to beat 130. 125. I mean, we're getting we're lower and lowering our projection. 125. Can we beat 125? We're almost at the end. 121. 121, 114, I mean, now we're getting really low, 115 as a projection, 114, and there, okay, there we go, we got, out of the 50 lineups, I trimmed it down to nine, nine lineups, all nine lineups, if we see here, look, all nine lineups have Shoei Otani, right, Eight out of the nine lineups of Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom is 52% owned, projected owned. But apparently his 27 fantasy points median for 9,900 is worth so much that even in trimming down the lineups, he's coming up like in all the, all these lineups. Like if Jacob DeGrom was 82% owned, maybe he wouldn't come up at all. Maybe another pitcher would be more worth playing. So I could see here that like Otani's probably underowned at 12.6%. Right? Anyone that comes up here that you get more of is the underowned players for their projection. And look, look at the, t- the top players are Contreras, O'Neill, Edmund, Motter, Arenado, Carlson. I'm still getting the Cardinals. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay. These are 5-3 lineups. So like stack-wise, six Cardinal stacks, one Brewers stack, one Seattle stack, one Texas stack. Right, so let's look at the Milwaukee lineup. Probably all these five-man stacks have three Cardinals, and I'm assuming all these stacks that aren't St. Louis have Otani, Degrom, and three Cardinals. I'm going to guess. Right here's the Milwaukee: Otani, Degrom, three Cardinals. Seattle: 
Oh, no, this is Seattle-Milwaukee. Okay. That's still involving a lo- much lower projection. Texas. Texas and the Mets. I mean, but these are very low projected lines for lower ownership, though. But let's let's just say, because we trimmed these 50 lineups, that all these lineups are plus EV. Now, obviously, the one towards the top realizes a little bit more min cash equity and sacrifices a little bit of first place equity. And the one on the bottom with the low 115 projection probably doesn't cash that often. But when it wins, it wins first place, right? It's a little bit much more, much more high variant lineup. So now I'm playing three lineups, right? I can choose to play any three lineups I want here. If we if we were if we if we want to make the case that even though it realizes its EV in different distributions, that the expected value of all nine of these lineups are the same over the course of a million slates, right? We played this out a million times. You'd end up with the same amount of money, right? The lineups on the bottom are more likely to like, oh, I won once and then lose like 99 other times. Like you're not even sniffing the cash line. The one towards the top is like, yeah, I come in, I, I come in, I cash more often than I should. And I come in like sixth once and I came in 10th. Another time I have much more shot at those spots. I come in first every so often, but not as often because my lineup's a little too high owned. But it's still profitable, right? So you take a look at these liners and go, I, I can play I can play any three. I can close my eyes. I can go to random.org. I can go to random.org. Right now, go give me uh, give me one to nine, and I could play three lineup three lineup two and lineup lineup one. I could play the top three. I could play four. I mean, like whatever. You could do that. If you did that out of those nine lineups, and then ran it and had had a proper bankroll, right? And you ran it out and played forever. It wouldn't matter. Okay. So technically, if you want to spend literally no time on this, you're not hurting yourself. But because of bankroll management purposes, depending on how risk tolerant you are, you may choose to play lower variance lineups or higher variance lineups. You may choose to diversify more or diversify less. That's all on a personal risk tolerance. Remember, the expected value of these nine lineups, theoretically, we're saying, is the same. So it's like, oh, if I'm playing three lineups, do I play? Well, I have 100% Otani regardless, because all nine lineups have Otani. DeGrom is out in eight of nine of those lineups. Should I play DeGrom in all three lineups that I select? Because there's one non-DeGrom lineup in here. Right. If I take a look, what's where's the non-degrum line? Here's one: Peterson Otani. Right. Do I play this lineup? Because it's the only one that doesn't have degrum. Well, technically, the answer is it doesn't matter. But based on, am I a little bit more risk tolerant? Do I want to put? Do I want to play all three lineups that have Otani that are that are more correlated to each other? Well, if I'm playing three Cardinal stacks, maybe I don't play. Maybe I played this one without the grum. Realize when when we're asking these questions, 
The answer from a mathematical perspective does not matter. The expected value of these lineups, theoretically, are the same. Your exposure to who's in your player pool, or whatever you want to call it, is a byproduct of your risk tolerance profile. You feel that you can play the, I mean, dude, you could play, you could play 1v1 of the top lineup three times if you want. But of course, when you win, you come in first, second, and third. And when you lose, you come in last and Right? It's just all your lineups go in these directions. So if you were playing like, I'm playing half of my bankroll tonight, that's probably not a good idea. Your risk of ruin is going to be very high. The expected value of the lineups didn't change. Just that, well, I don't know if you're going to survive the long run if you're playing 50% of your bankroll. The more, the higher the percentage of the bankroll that you're playing and the higher the variance of the contest you are, either means that you need a bigger bank, you need a much bigger bankroll or to lower the risk of ruin, the more likely you should be diversifying. Just like the stock market. Mathematically, strategically, it doesn't matter what lineups you play. What three lineups out of these nine you play. It doesn't matter. If we ran it out to the end of your lifetime, you played 20 years at DFS. You end up with the same amount of money, let's just say. How you get to that point, it goes, it, do you want to go like this? Or do you want to go like this? Do you want to go like this and then that? And then, oh, I'm going to double down here. Like, that's all you're choosing. You're, you're, you're just choosing your path, right? That's all, that's all you're doing here. So if you're going to choose three lineups, if you're only playing a half a percentage of your bankroll and you have a $17 million bankroll, and you're playing the 121, the three max $5 contest. Like, dude, like, like, obviously at that point, like you're never going to go broke because there aren't enough slates for you to broke, even if you lost every single one of them. But in that instance, like playing the highest variant lineups that you can doesn't decrease your risk of ruin because you, your bankroll could support that. So the less the less of a bankroll that you're playing, the less of a percentage of the bankroll that you're playing, the more that you could afford to play higher variance, higher expected value lineups from a bankroll management perspective, not strategic. You'd want, you'd probably be more inclined. That's why with less lineups, you should be more contrarian. As long as you're playing on a small percentage of your bankroll. Because you get to increase the EV. You get to increase your expected value and your risk of ruin is still very low. You're playing 10% of your bankroll slate in GPPs? Be much more concerned about diversifying. Not because it helps you win more. It helps you survive better. That's really what you're doing when it comes to diversification. How do I survive variance? This is the reason why you'll see... 100, you'll see the players that play 150 lineups in the large field GPP. And you'll see them play, a lot of times play, they'll know what players are under on, what stacks are on. You know, a lot of times, you know, they're very streamlined across the board. I mean, out of like 40, you'll get different strategies, different types of lineups that they're building. But you'll see some that go hardcore in like one direction more often than not. And then you see others that, it's like, wow, it seems like they uh, 
They play like almost every stack to some extent, maybe 2% of this and 5% of that. Because you could find a plus EV lineup of any stack, especially in large field GPP. They're choosing 150 lineups out of a potential 200,000 lineups that could be plus EV. So they're doing the same thing with these. I have to choose three out of nine. They're choosing 150 out of 300,000, right? If they close their eyes and chose any 150 out of that 300,000, mathematically, at the end of, you know, infinity, they'd end up with the same amount of money. But how do you survive to that point, right? Right? If you're playing a very small percentage of your bankroll, you could survive very long. So it's like, oh, I don't mind. I want to play the highest EV lineups I possibly can. But if you're playing 20% of your bankroll, it's like, yeah, but you may not realize that EV for God knows how long. And if you're playing 20% of your bankroll every slate, you hopefully you better realize it soon. You're going to be out of money. You're going to be down to, you're going to be playing the, the, the nickel contest on FanDuel, the penny contest. The, your bankrolls will be gone, right? You can't survive that. You're playing the highest EV lineups though, but you, but you can't survive variance. So diversifying is a method of surviving variance. It's not a strategic anything. So this kind of covers player exposures that I'll talk about tomorrow. I still have another topic that's related to that. So I could choose. I could say, okay, well, out of these nine lineups, maybe I will, I'll play the, the non-degrum lineup, right? It's a lower projected lineup. It's a 121 lineup compared to a... So I'm giving up a bunch of projection for that ownership. So I'm going to save that lineup. Okay, I'm going to choose that. I can randomly choose to remember. I can just randomly choose three and be done with it. From a mathematical standpoint, I could do it, right? I'm done. The only reason I'm choosing now is from a bankroll management diversification standpoint. So now that I have, you know, Peterson, Otani, Contreras, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Walker, O'Neill, with Master Rubian, with three Cubs in there. Okay. Maybe I'm going to play another Cardinal stack, but maybe for the sake of diversification, maybe I find a Cardinal stack that aren't the same five batters. So that's not Contreras, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Walker, O'Neill. Maybe it's, obviously I'm going to share maybe two or three of them, right? Is there an Edmund lineup in there or something like that? If I'm going to play another Cardinal stack, right? So I look and I go, oh, Modder, like Modder's in there, Yepes. Like, look, look at this top lineup. Otani, DeGrum, Goldschmidt, Modder, Edmund, Yepes, O'Neill. So basically it only shares two players from this other lineup. And then it has Kalenic, Suarez, Raleigh. Now, it's, now, this is a high-owned lineup. 180, 132 projection at 180. The lineup I saved is a 121 projection at 125. So this is a much higher variance lineup. So to balance out my portfolio, if I'm risk tolerant, maybe I choose to. I'll also I'll play. I'll play this. I'll play the top. Yeah, they all play that one. This has more, much more likelihood of cashing to get some equity back. That the equity is bunched more towards the middle than the other lineup, which is much teetered out to the side. But let's say I'm playing 5-10% of my bankroll, which seems a little too high. So I want to diversify my three lineups so I could survive variance. 
I'm not doing it strategically. There's no strategic. Am I over the field? Am I under the field? No, I'm not even, there's no, there's no consideration to that. Your exposure is just a byproduct of your diversification of your portfolio. That's it. You're looking to build, you can build 150, I just want 150 plus EV lineups. I just want three plus EV lineups. That's it. So now that I've saved two lineups, it's like, okay, I got Goldschmidt and O'Neill in both those two lineups. So maybe from a diversification standpoint, maybe I don't want O'Neill and Goldschmidt. I have Otani in all my lineups because that's the only nine lineups I have to choose from. So maybe I don't have, a. maybe my third lineup I choose to get a little bit more diversified is to not have O'Neill and Goldschmidt together. So is there a lineup that doesn't have O'Neill and Goldschmidt together? Here's Yepes O'Neill. Here's Arenado O'Neill. Okay, Goldschmidt, I'm getting... Oh, here's one without Goldschmidt or O'Neill. It has uh, Contreras, Mater, Arenado, Yepes, Carlson. All right, here's one. Here's another one without O'Neill. Right? Right, so let's get rid of the ones since we're just saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for my third lineup. For only for diversification purposes. I could play. I could play any of the nine lineups. I'm going to get rid of the ones that have either Contreras, uh, either Goldschmidt or O'Neill. Right, here's O'Neill. Get rid of that. Here's one without Goldschmidt or O'Neill. Here's one without Goldschmidt or O'Neill. Here's one with O'Neill. Get rid of that. That's the one I already have. Here's one with no Cardinals in it. Right? I could choose to play. This is a higher variance lineup. I could do this. But let's say we're, we're, we're going with the Cardinals, right? So we're going to get rid of that. We're going to get rid of this lineup down here. So now I, have to, now I have to choose between one of these two lineups. Basically with three Cubs, Hosmer, Swanson, Bellinger, or Tellez, Anderson, Winker. Now if you see here, I got Mariners in this one. I got Cubs in this one. Swanson, Bellinger, Mastrobiani, or whatever. I could choose to play, you know, Hosmer, Swanson, Bellinger. I could play, but this is kind of similar to the other lineup. So maybe I want to play the one with uh, Milwaukee in it. Both lineups are the same. Okay, similar EV. I could choose to play this one. You could be like, no, I'm going to double down on Bellinger. You, yes, you could do, yes, if you want to. You could, I could close my eyes and randomly select one. That mathematically, it wouldn't matter. But diversification-wise, for my portfolio, depending on my risk tolerance, if I had a more, if I was less tolerant to risk, I'd be like, okay, well, let, let, let me make sure to get a little bit more diversified by this lineup does not have Goldschmidt or O'Neill, but it also doesn't have the Cubs in it, right? Or you could think of the other terms of like, you know what? I'm going to double down on the Cubs. like. I'm going to make sure that, like, well, this is a lineup without Goldschmidt and O'Neill, but the Cardinals still do well, and the Cubs do well also, so I have that combination also. Understand that this lineup with the three Cubs in it is much more correlated to the, the lineup that you have with three Cubs in it. So those two lineups on the payout scale are typically going to move very close to each other. The one with Milwaukee in it, obviously, they're going to be much more interdependent, independent of each other. Right? So as you diversify, your lineups become more independent of each other, which mitigates your risk of ruin. 
which mitigates your, your variance, reduces it as a portfolio. Doesn't change the EV of anything, right? You can find that the highest EV lineups all contain Cubs and be like, you know what? I'm doubling down. I'm tripling down. I'm quadrupling down. The Cubs are so underowned that I think today's the day that I'm going to, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm playing 1% of my bankroll. So I'm fine. I could diversify. I could do whatever. But I think there's so much of an edge here playing the Cubs that I'm just going to play 150 Cubs lineups. 150 plus EV Cubs lineups. And if the Cubs do badly, then then I just, I'm just minus 99%. The Cubs do well, sure. I, I could take that half the prize pool. <laughs> you could do that. If you, if you, if you feel if that's just very higher, much higher risk. They're all plus EV lineups, just higher risk in your portfolio. And this is, I mean, this is, this is what, this is what financial planners do for stock portfolios. What's, what's the, what's the, what, what's the highest uh, yield stock that you would recommend? It's like, well, this stock, but I mean, understand that the volatility is much higher. Yes, I think it, you could get a 23% return this year. You could also lose like 35% of your money. How how much of your portfolio do you want to invest in that? You could say 100 if if it was if it was very little of your net worth, your portfolio, you could say okay, put it all in that. We'll 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 take the risk. If you get 24% return or you get 16% return, you beat the S&P 500 or something. Beautiful. You're also taking on the risk that you lose 30% of your money. But maybe your financial planner would say, if you're willing to take on a little bit more risk, why don't we put 10%? Let's put 10% of your money in that. Let's put 20% of your money, something like, so you could benefit a little, but I mean, the highest EV move would be to put all your money in. But of course, that increases your risk of ruin. Increases your downside. So it's all a matter of mitigating and managing risk. That's why if you talk, if you talk to any type of financial planner, any anyone like that, like the one of the top things they'll ask you, one of the few questions, high-level questions they'll ask you is how much risk you're looking to take on. A lot of times that's based on what the time period, time frame. Oh, you're investing money in now when you're 30, so that you retire at 62 or 65. How much risk can you take on during that time frame? But you can take on much more risk because you have a much more high, longer time horizon. If you're 58 years old and you already have like an IRA and you already have a 401k and you're planning on retiring in four years, how much risk do you want to take on? Probably not that much, right? Right, probably not much. You probably don't want to lose 30, 40% of your portfolio in four years, Right? When you're 30 years old, if you lost 30% of your portfolio in four years, you're only 34. You still have, you know, 28 years for that downturn to come back back up again. It's the same thing with your bankroll in DFS. So maybe from a diversification standpoint, I go, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Brewers. And those are the three lineups, right? And it turns out that I have two-thirds. Contreras and two-thirds modern, right? It turns out that two of my three lineups have Taylor modern. Oh, so you're over the field. I I guess. 
These numbers don't matter. They're just representations of your of your diversification. Well, you get super leverage for being like not like these are just ex, these are just portfolio exposure numbers. They're not that they, they have no strategic purpose. I could have all the same. I could have three Otani lineups, two Degrom lineups, one Tellas lineup, one Yepes lineup, two Edmund lineups, and have three lineups that are horribly negatively EV. I could have exposures that look exactly the same, right? I could show you a portfolio of three lineups that kind of look the same as this, but obviously they wouldn't be stacked, right? They'd, they'd be a mess. And you go, and they'd be in a, in a, in a combination that is too high owned for their projection, right? Yes, I'd have one Eugene Suarez lineup, but it would be with Dan with 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 Dan Guzman. I wouldn't have Cardinals. I would have a lineup that has all the Cardinals and the Grum and Otani and everything like that that projects weight that projects high but is way too owned. And then I have lineups that are like thirty points too low projected, and it's still the same three line. The exposures would look the same, so it's not a matter of like exposures or player pools or anything like this. What does your player pool look like? Whatever whatever it ends up being. I'm probably playing players that project well for low ownership. Right? I could go and find them, right? We went in the beginning and go, most likely you can get some of this and most likely you can get some of that. Or you can just run the lineups, right? You can just run lineups. I can run 300 lineups in lineup HQ and go, okay, what sh- shows up more than others? You go, okay, I'm probably going to be they're probably going to be my player pool somehow in some regard. And then you trim to see which ones are too high-owned high or too un, or over-owned or under-owned. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to choose those players. No, I'm going to play. I'm still choosing lineups. Let's grab some questions from the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Mr. Mike says, uh, curious if you've been trying the three and five man mans much yet. Yeah, I, I've been playing that almost every slate. You're right that their lineups are very predictable and almost identical. The exception is Uticao. Never know with him. Yeah, because he has his own projections. Everyone else, you could pretty much predict what, what pool they're playing from. And then just play lineups that are like 5v5, 6v6s. Yeah, that, that, that's what I do. I mean, I've talked about it multiple times. Anus Comedy says, people playing MLB DFS need to realize how random hitting performance is. Yes, how variant it is. I keep my player pool much deeper in MLB than I do in another sport because I'm more willing the most to embrace variance. It's absolutely true. Especially when the chalk is clearly clumping. Absolutely. 100%. For hitters, the correlation coefficient of ownership to player performance is nowhere near it is in any other sport. It's not even it's not even the top 20 metrics. So with that being the case, for, for hitters, pitchers it is. But for hitters, it isn't. Doug Montgomery, do you use the bad X stack projections to pick your stacks? No, I don't. I run lineup. Dude, the bad stack projection page literally does what, I mean, it's just showing what I just did. That it. Run three, run 300 lineups with five-man stacks. 
see what comes up the most. That's what it's going to say. When it when the bad stacks projection page says, well, 25 in the top tw- 25 and 50 in the, like, that's all it is. Like, you could just run in a lineup HQ. So I'm not picking anything. You have to stop thinking in terms of picking players. You know, I'm not picking any players. Dude, I didn't even get, did I, did I mention anything about totals? Did I mention anything about matchups? Did I mention anything about anything about baseball? It's all in the number. It's already in the numbers. If you want to change the number, fine. Change Taylor Motter to 7 million. If you, if you want, you think you know better, then change the number. You still have to change a number. Change the number and then run the lineups. You think Taylor Motter is going to be more than 11% owned? Then change him, then change it. I think he's going to be 11, uh, 18% owned. Okay, then change to 18 and then run the lineups. Once you're down to these numbers, all it is is better just, okay, I'm just going to run lineups and pick, trim and pick and for the field size that I'm in and for the ownership that I think it's going to be because obviously in single entry, smaller field, ownership condenses more. And there you go. It's baseball. It's event-driven. You're wildly overthinking it. NBA, there's much more thinking in NBA because it's normally distributed. Here, 14 points in projection is one swing of the bat. And every every piece of correlation in your lineup, like a five-man stack versus an unstacked lineup, is almost like an extra 10 points in projection. So with that being said, like, dude, you could play, you could play this thousand on a slate of, this side, what, we have a 10-game slate? Thousands of plus EV lineups that have different distributions. Just a matter of which ones do you play. Just build them and see. Even the lineups that I trimmed out of the 50, right, we got down to nine. There's probably like 10 of the ones that I got rid of that are probably profitable also. They're not as profitable as the nine, but they're probably still profitable also. They're just less profitable. Joey says, just start dabbling in MLB DFS. I noticed last night there were two chalky pitchers at sub. It's like 7,500 price. Is that normal? Don't everyone just paid up? No, everyone pays for the best projected pitchers, typically. Just so happened that those, those are the best projected pitchers. Price doesn't matter. Zach Gallon projected for higher than, than Max Scherzer yesterday. And Max Scherzer was 10-4. So, yeah, so obviously Gallon's going to be high-owned. And Bryce Elder only projected for like four points lower than Scherzer, and he was like half the price. And then you have the Cardinals in cores with some cheap value. And then it's easy to play Goldschmidt and Contreras and easy to play Trout in your lineup or Julio Rodriguez. Like it just me. The lineup, the lineup matters. The lineup matters. Once you get it. My, 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 my favorite messages, emails, right? And you can email your questions in. Remember today's show was not based on me wanting to talk about this. You, someone submitted a question talking about player pools. How do you choose a player pool? And that's where the that's where the content comes from. All of this is covered in the theory of daily fantasy sports. You want to go to theoryofdfs.com and then buy this and download and listen to 21 hours of audio and get the Excel tools. You'll never have to watch the show ever again. You can just re re listen to that all the time. I mean, it's the same. It's, I just go over the same concepts from there. If you want a more structured learning, but the most satisfying messages that I that I get from people that. Like, I've been playing DFS for three or four years, and I thought I knew what I was doing. Kind of breaking even or whatever like that. And in the past year, I've made X amount of dollars or whatever, and I'm doing way better. And uh, and you're right. 
Yeah, the four years that I uh, that that uh, that I was like watching content and subscribing to Roto Grinders. Yeah, yeah, I realize how stupid all those questions are. Like I just like I get it now. Like it click. Like at some point it clicks. Some point you get you get it. You get the probabilistic mindset. You get the expected value mindset. You get you get basic statistics. You get basic game theory, and you go, "Oh my god!" And then the next realization. Then a couple of months go by, and then you get you get the email of like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I want another GPP again." Uh, is it true that it what? And it's it's kind of like a question of like, uh, it can't be this simple. Like they say, like, you know, my process is down to like three minutes and I think I'm doing well and I am doing well. It's like, it can't, it can't just be this, this it can't be this. Is, is there something I'm missing? Am I just getting lucky? I go, probably not. It's like, so, so I could just do this in three minutes. I go, yeah. I said, how, how do you, how do you think McLovin plays like 150 lineups on every slate on all the sites? How do you think all these people do it? You think they're sitting there just like, oh, I'm I'm gonna play Taylor Motter today. They're not doing that. <laughs> they're not doing that. How, how do you think they're able to do all of that as one person? Right? And even then it's it, even then it's tough. You screw up, right? I could. A lot of programming. Like once you once you get your process down, then you can, now you can automate a lot of stuff also. But they're not sitting there going, like, am I gonna play Julio Rodriguez today? Or do I think this one guy is over-owned? Or am I going to play 8% of this? They're not thinking that. They're just running they're, they're running lineups much more effectively than what I showed. Much more precisely, right? You got Nerdy Tenor. He's running algorithms on supercomputers, as I always joke. He's not, but I joke about that. But that's what they're doing. And then even guys like that go like, yeah, I need to... Uh, I came up with uh, with ten thousand plus EV lineups that that I did. Now just a matter of what my portfolio looks like, and even Nerdy Tater says he just like some random picking thing. It's like okay, just give me you know, get to the point of you're crunching, you're crunching, you're crunching, you're crunching, you're battling lineups against each other, blah 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 blah, and then and now you've this, this set of like five thousand lineups. They're like I can't go any further than this. Here are five thousand candidates. And it's like well I need to pay one hundred and fifty. So it's like eh, just randomly pick. Or something. There's some some mechanic, or maybe there's some portfolio dynamic of make it so that my that once you sim it out, the risk is X, and then there you go. And give me all those. Give me 150. Uh, that that is what it is. That is what they're doing. I'm showing you how to do it much more bluntly, right? And you sit there and you go like, like why am I spending an hour trying to choose this versus that, especially in MLB? NBA, there's a lot more nuance because they're normally distributed outcomes and minutes matter a lot more. Here, batters are getting four, four bats no matter what. Max Muncie could hit two home runs. He could also strike out five times. I mean, like, dude, 38% on Trout could do nothing. I mean, like, it, it, the variance in baseball is so high. And the projections are not normal. And the ownership condenses on, you know, oh, what... This guy is projected for half a point more than that guy, so he's going to be twice his own. It's like it's baseball. These it, distributions aren't normal. They're so bimodal. 
So you know what? You could build thousands of lineups against the field. That would be plus EV. If you randomly chose them, you'd probably be fine. So like, what are you spending your time on? Once you get that, then you convert that to other, then you convert all those concepts to other sports. And then you, then you wonder, right? You're, people are sitting there wondering, it's like, how does, how does so-and-so, how does uh, Uticao play every sport, every slate? He's playing like, like he's playing golf and then showdown and then all, that's how. Right? Most of the stuff that you, that you, that you do doesn't matter. It's either redundant. I would say 95% of what most people do is just redundant. Doesn't matter. Like to say it doesn't matter is technically incorrect. It matters. Do matchups and weather matter? Do ballpark factors matter? Does strikeout rate matters? Does swing and strike percentage? Does what? Yeah, all of that matters. The thing is, is that it's redundant to what you're looking, you're looking, you've already computed all that. So all you're doing is spending time on redundant things. Or double counting it, even worse, right? It's like the number already. Oh well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roster these guys because the wind is blowing out. It's already in the projections. So you to add more, it's, it's already factored in. Well, this matchup is bad. It's already factored in. It's already all of that is already done. If you want to do redundant work, feel free. Go. Good luck. Go do it. And good luck not double counting it by accident. That's what I mean by it doesn't matter. Like obviously it matters, just it's already done for you. It's redundant. Oh, I look at team totals. It's already in the projections. Oh, why do the Cardinals project so well? Yeah, because their team total is a million. I mean, why why does the team why does Detroit project barely? Yeah, because the team total is garbage. I mean, like it's already in there. It's already factored in. That's probably the reason. So once you start seeing what's redundant, what's already been done for you, if you see, it's like, well, how much? How much do I actually have to think? How much, how, what do I have to pick? I can just go here and just, okay, I'm just going to run run a couple hundred lineups, trim a bunch of stuff, pick a couple of lineups. Doing that versus spending five hours is <laughs> likely not much difference at all. So why are you spending the five hours for nothing? Nick asks, can chat GPT just build my lineups? At some point, it probably can. At some point, you'll be able to go to ChatGPT and upload. Probably, I could probably do a CSV, right? And say, here, here are all my projections. Here are all my projections and everything like that. And here's the contest. Here's everything like that. Uh, go and and what 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 a uh, show, show, give me five profitable lines, right? Or something like that. At some point, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the back end power, server wise, to do contest sims. Probably, probably not. Probably not nowhere close to that yet. At some at some point, you'll be able to upload. You'll at least be able to up like, dude. You'll be able to. Here are all my projections. What's the optimal median lineup? Like the thing that we could do in the lineup optimal, you know, on the sidebar. Like you probably probably ChatGPT will be able to do it. Okay, give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs in the morning. Right, this is free content. Hit the hit the thumbs up button. Right. If you want more of this right? More of these concepts, theory at DFS.com, right? I talk about all of this. Like this, this is, this is part of the course, right? That's what I, re- I accentuate every day. We do this in an unstructured way. Submit your questions, right? Questions at theory of and I will answer them, right? That's where, that's where these shows come from. 
And it may not be the next day, right? Because I'm just going to email whoever answered, whoever asked about player pools. I'm just going to reply back and say, hey, covered it on today's show. So even if you miss shows, like if you ask, you submit a question, and maybe I answer it, you know, 10 days from now. Well, you don't have to like watch and well, wait for whatever. And most of these, these shows are labeled. So those will label this player pools, I guess. So you could find it in the past if you want. And, uh, you know, we'll always let you know. Brock Erickson said, learn more from this show than I have in years of losing DFS. Yes. My favorite comment of all time on, on, on a YouTube video from one of these shows is, uh, I think, uh, why, why, why are these videos getting so not as, not as many views? It's like, like that. So someone will watch the show and go, why is this only getting like 400, 500 views? Right. Cause they, they'll learn and they'll, you know, become a better DFS player and be like, like, why, why aren't more people watching this? And my, my reaction to that is good thing. Not enough people are watching this. <laughs> good thing. Not a good thing for us. Not enough people watch the show, right? Because also you have to realize that like 80% of people, they think they know better, right? So it doesn't even matter. I, I could do this show forever. There'll still be 80% of people out there playing DFS going, ah, what are you talking about this math stuff, this number stuff, right? Mike Trout, he's hitting a home run off of Patrick Corbin today. It's a lock, right? That's 80% of the audience. So it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. Your likes matter. Your subscribes matter. Your notification bells matter. We got MLB Grinders live later today, and crunch time is free. Brought to you by FanDuel. You get Kevin Roth. I don't know. There's no weather situations today, so I'm not sure if that's going to matter that much. And I'll be back tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.